title of our Sunday School lesson this morning is a bit uh, challenging in some ways. I uh, will try to reword it and explain it, but the title I have here is taken from the book that we're using as a guide for our study. Uh, done by John, I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name, Colhoun, called Repentance or Evangelical Repentance. And the title of our study, our section, is this, The Priority of the Acting of Saving Faith to the exercise of true repentance. Let me read that again. There's a lot there, more than you may know. The priority of the acting of saving faith to the exercise of true repentance. What we're dealing with and what that suggests is simply this, that as we see faith and repentance saving graces and they are brought about miraculously by God in regeneration some have asked and dealt with the question over the many many years uh, does faith come before repentance Or does repentance come before faith? Now, God gives those two graces together. And I want you to follow closely here because we're going to be dealing with some deep thoughts. He gives the two graces together and at once in respect of time and therefore. Here's a key statement. Please listen carefully. Though in our conception of them, they are to be distinguished, yet they are never to be separated from each other. quite a statement and we're going to be studying that now this is another very very basic statement the principle of faith in the regenerate soul that is the capacity of acting faith is not in point of time before that of repentance, nor is the principle of repentance before that of faith. He said, Pastor, I don't get it. Sounds like a lot of complicated double language. Follow me closely. Every true believer in principle, each word is 
carefully chosen. Every true believer in principle is at the same time a true penitent. And every true penitent in respect of principle is a genuine believer. And you say, wow, that, that's going over my head. I don't know what this is all about. Be patient. We're going to work through it. And you say, well, what difference does it make? I'm saved and I'm going to heaven. And that's, that's wonderful and that's the most important thing. It doesn't hurt to dig into some theology and doctrine and learn. But as we progress, you're going to see that this really opens the door for us to present other related, very, very precious truths. This will be the foundation of those truths. So it's good that we think that helps us listen carefully, prayerfully. We'll try to take it slowly and in order and build on it so that we're prepared to um, rejoice in the things that we will learn as we move together in our stage. Now, though the principle of saving faith does not in respect of time precede that of true repentance, here's very cautious, careful wording. Yet, in order of nature, the acting of that faith precedes the exercise of this repentance. Well, I know I probably uh, lost some of you. <laughs> and that's okay, because I had some interesting time thinking through this and plowing through it. Turn with me to Zechariah, chapter 12. And verse 10. While you're doing that, I'll just be honest with you. I thought about just passing over this and uh, moving on uh, to finish our series. Notice in Zechariah 12, verse 10. And I will pour out on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplication so that they will look on me whom they have pierced and they will mourn for him. Do you see the link here? between what's going on, the spirit of grace and supplication, and what is that going to do? It's going to cause them to look upon him. But instantaneously, when that happens, something else happens. It's so closely related that it would be impossible to divide them and say it's this and this. 
though it's worded that way. But if we could just imagine here for a minute, it's just like all of a sudden this happens. There's two parts to it, which comes first. Well, I don't know that you could actually say, but it seems that there is a transition here that we can follow. I will cause them to look upon me, whom they have pierced, and they will mourn. Now listen, I mean, each word is, is necessary. The regenerate sinner. Two words. Regenerate sinner is enabled cordially to apprehend or trust the pardoning mercy of God in Christ in order in order to exercise true repentance. I, I don't want to cloud the issue, I don't want to confuse you, but I want you to think through exactly what we're saying here. Notice carefully, the word is regenerate sinner. Is enabled to comprehend or trust in the pardoning mercy of God in Christ in order to exercise repentance. That is absolutely basic, foundational, and helpful to our study. Now let me try to break that down for you. For he cannot begin to exercise that repentance which is spiritual and acceptable to God until he first begins to trust in Jesus Christ for mercy and grace. Powerful statement. And as we progress, you're going to see we're going to draw some truths even out of that that are going to be precious uh, to our souls. Now, let's think for a moment of a terminology that we need to define for you. We're using two different words to refer to a repentance that is less than saving. We're using the word legal. We're using the word counterfeit. Those two words help us to understand there is a repentance that is not a saving repentance. It's a formality. It's a complying with certain requirements of the terminology that is used. Uh, 
Um, and we will refer to that as we move along. I just want to pinpoint that and identify that terminology. Faith is the principal grace. Faith is the principal grace. And the acting of it is the first breathing, the first vital motion of the regenerate soul. Think for a moment. Let's, let's just back off for a second and think of Ephesians 2. You were dead in your trespasses and sins, or in times past you walked according to the desires of the flesh, so forth. But God. Two little words, but God. who loved us even when we were dead in our sins, spiritually dead, not capable of any action, motion, or anything, even when we were dead in our sins, did what? He made us alive. He quickened us. That's spiritual birth. That's giving life to a dead soul. Keep that in mind, because we'll be referring to it. Um, let me repeat this statement. Faith is the principal grace, and the acting of it is the first breathing, the first vital motion of the regenerate soul. Why do they spank a baby when it comes out of the womb? We know, don't we? Make it breathe. What happens? It cries. It's <gasps> and it sucks air into those lungs. And here's this baby within seconds of coming out of a water environment for nine months, who now within seconds is going to be living in the air. Now which comes first? <laughs> and that whole transition, well, perhaps doctors could break it down. The important thing is the baby's alive. And there's a spiritual birth that takes place in a second of time. There's life where there's been nothing but spiritual death. No life. No abilities. Spiritually. No sooner, no sooner is the dead sinner quickened then he begins to act spiritually. And his first activity is that of believing.
his true belief. And our author here puts in the phrase of the law, which simply means God's dealing with us, with application to himself. And this is so vital. Issues in true conviction of his sinfulness of heart and life. I cannot, I, I wish I could put the, these all in capital letters and flash them in the lights so you could grab it. No sinner is the dead sinner quickened. Instantaneous, what's going to happen? He begins to act spiritually, just like the baby that's spanked. Instantly. <gasps> Issues in true conviction of his sinfulness of heart and life. And in other words, instantaneously, all of this is he's coming to grips with. When God quickens and gives the new birth. It issues in this true conviction of his sinfulness of heart and life and also in something resembling legal repentance. In other words, there's that exterior form of uh, sorrow. But here's the key. His saving faith of the gospel with application to himself results in union and communion with Christ. And so in true repentance. Well, I, I know that we're digging deep into some truth. Now let me just give you a breather here and it ties into what we've been saying. Without faith it is impossible to please God. Hebrews 11, 6, you don't need to turn there. Without faith it is impossible to please God. Follow the thought. And therefore, it is impossible without the previous exercise of it so to repent as to please Him. Without me, says the Lord Jesus, you can do nothing. That's basic. That's fundamental to our study and to much doctrine in theology and practical life. Without me, says the Lord Jesus Christ, you can do nothing. Now, follow the train of thought. If separate from Christ or without vital union with him by faith, a man can do nothing that is spiritually good, we may be sure that without it he cannot exercise true spiritual repentance. 
That's where we're headed. To grab that and run with it. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. How can I repent in such a way that is acceptable and pleasing to God without God's involvement in that repentance? Otherwise, you end up with a legal repentance. You end up with a sham, a show, a nodding of the head, or whatever. But it's not true, genuinely biblical saving. Repentance. Because God was left out of it. The author says such repentance is usually styled this that we're talking about, saving repentance. He calls it evangelical repentance. And why? Because the exercise of it is attained by faith in Christ as exhibited to sinners in the gospel. Makes all the difference in the world. It is in this situation, and this is extremely vital, that the true penitent attains the most humbling and heart-melting views of the exceeding sinfulness of sin. And do you not see that that is absolutely essential to true repentance? Because what am I repenting from? A few things that I think are wrong? Or do I have some understanding of the depth of the exceeding wickedness and sinfulness of my sin? So that I have a at least a spiritual grasp of what I'm repenting from. I'm not re repenting from the fact that I spoke crosswise to my wife. The, the exceeding sinfulness. Now, the author points out something here. When you have this biblical view, the spiritual view of the exceeding sinfulness of sin, follow closely. Such views of it as under the influence of the Holy Spirit will bring godly sorrow to the heart and the tears of evangelical repentance to the eyes. Because why? <clears throat> Because you see the depth and the breadth and the exceeding sinfulness of sin. And that's involved in true biblical repentance. 
Now, we live in a day when this is unheard of. It's not preached, if even known by many of the pastors who are preaching it. It's ignored, it's overlooked, it's not popular, it's maybe not even known. Certainly not as much as we've plowed through this morning in terms of trying to see what is it? What is true biblical repentance? Okay. Saving faith. Saving faith. What are the two saving graces? Faith and repentance. We've been talking about repentance. Saving faith is the leading grace, especially to the exercise of true repentance. We're building a brick upon brick. <clears throat> Accordingly, we read in the scripture, turn with me to Acts 11 and 21. Acts 11 and 21. <clears throat> Stephen, would you read that for us? Acts 11 21. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a large number who believed turned to the Lord. Do you see it? Why did they turn to the Lord? Because they believed. It doesn't say they believed because they turned to the Lord. What came first? Believing. That gives you correct order of the events. Um, the scriptures tell us that the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem shall look upon him whom they have pierced and shall mourn for him. What comes first? Looked upon him. Then <clears throat> the reaction follows. They were pierced and mourned. Here's another statement. The tears of godly sorrow drop, as it were, from the eye of faith. <clears throat> it is the exercise of faith in the crucified Redeemer that melts the hard heart into penitential mourning and that produces the tears 
which run down in repentance. Powerful statement. Comprehensive statement. The eye of faith fixes on God in Christ as a God of love, mercy, and grace. And then by repentance, the heart turns to him and to the love and practice of true holiness. We could spend several sessions on that one. <clears throat> A godly minister accordingly gives us an admonition. Listen. When you go to mourn for sin, begin with Christ. And do not think to begin below with sin. And so come to Christ. But being aloft with Christ. And fall down upon your sin. How are we going to determine the sinfulness of sin until we have a right view of Christ whom we have sinned against. Many times in conversation these days with various people there's always, even among the prisoners that I have conversations with and they probably more so than us, have the opportunity, I guess is the word to use, to observe as we do, more limited, on the exceeding sinfulness of sin. We live in a wicked world. And our prisoners more so in a concentrated situation. I talked to them some recently. And there they have very little place where they can get away from it. It's wall to wall. 24 hours a day. In its very depths of depravity. And we will lament it. And it grieves us. And it should. But what if we could and we should, by God's grace, see the extreme wickedness of that? Not because they're debauching themselves, that's bad enough, but because it's against the holy and righteous God, our Creator. 
And the author is moving us in the direction of saying, how can there be repentance if there's not the view of God and His holiness and His righteousness? Because when that takes place, I have a more accurate view of the sin that I need to turn away from. Not because it's ugly, not because it's, but because it's against God Almighty. And even as we are here believers today, and we, and a part of our praying daily should be repentance. But how can that repentance even have the meaning that it should have when I'm not taking in consideration the absolute infinite holiness of God against whom I have sinned. True repentance is turning to God. from my sin. This um, error that at one time was quite prevalent it was known as Lordship Salvation. And the error that was being presented, as we have mentioned it on occasion, was that you can have Christ as your Savior, but not as your Lord. Everything I've said this morning goes against that. Totally against it. And I know when I mentioned it on another occasion, I do remember that I told you that the church that I was with years ago in Phoenix, the mission, brought a team in and that's what they were teaching to our teenagers, illustrated with a big presentation of two crosses and one uh, demands you acknowledge, deal with your sin and uh, repent and I acknowledge Christ as Lord. The other had a cross with a doorway through it. And you could go through that doorway. And you don't have to deal with your sins. You can accept Him as Savior, but you don't have to acknowledge Him as Lord. Hang on to your sins. You'll still get to heaven. You'll make it. Dear ones, everything I have said this morning rises up against that. Um, pray that God will help us to grasp these truths and absorb them into our life into our prayers, into our worship. 
and we're going to have greater soul-gripping views of God and His holiness. And then we can see the exceeding sinfulness of sin. We can meditate on Paul's words, I was crucified with Christ. Nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live by faith, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. And just take some time, dear people, in your devotions. Put it together in your mind and in your heart that as Christ was nailed to the cross, as those nails held him there to the cross, he was bleeding because of the exceeding sinfulness of your sin. Get rid of it. Deal with it. Gracious God, we pray that you will use these words to turn us from all levity and wrong thinking about sin and about our sin. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.